Hello and welcome to another episode of the Backcheck, the Hockey History Podcast, where we evaluate cases for the Hockey Hall of Fame. My name is Riley and I'm with Bill. Hey, how you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we have um, an episode where the theme is, I guess, players who didn't play that much in the NHL. And so first up, our eligible player is Anders Hedberg. Um, who is very similar in a career arc, very, very similar in a career arc to Ulf Nilsson, who we talked about previous episode. Uh, and then we have uh, our inducted players, Igor Lanaryanov. And lastly, our old timer is a player who's not been inducted. His name is Bernie Morris. And he, we were introduced to him during the flu episode when Bill discovered that he had had this phenomenal, phenomenal Stanley Cup final in uh in 1917 for the seattle metropolitans so uh first up we have anders hedberg who is uh, along with old nelson one of the very one of the very earliest european stars to come over to north america uh they came at the same time they came to the same team they left the wha to the nhl for the same team they had very similar careers in many ways um and uh, the only difference is one was a center and one was a right wing. And uh, and I guess they might have been slightly different in age. I don't quite remember that. Um, but otherwise, they've had very similar careers. And they, including um, what's perhaps notable for their case, having extraordinary dominance in the WHA and rather not mediocre, but okay <laughs> okay offensive <laughs> production in the nhl um when they were both in their uh in their late 20s and oh, the other very common thing with them is they were both hurt all the damn time when they got to the nhl yeah. uh though i believe hedberg was healthier than nelson by a fair amount anyway so um hedberg's nhl career is is not really why we're talking about him but we can uh, go over it at least a little bit. He was um, not drafted because he had started in the NHL, and he and and uh, Nilsson famously decamped the WHA uh, to make more money in the NHL, and then went to the Rangers. And um, so, like I said, we can't talk about draft. His his NHL numbers are not super impressive, but they're 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 not terrible. I, I, and they would be good now. Three hundred ninety-seven yeah, points. Not a bad player at all. Yeah. 397 points in 465 games now would be good. You know, you're you're a pretty good player. Um, and in the 90s, late 90s, of course, it would be excellent. Um, of course, this was the late 70s and early 80s when he was doing this, so it's a little less impressive, early and mid 80s. Um, we looked at uh, 138 players playing at least 410 games or five seasons between 78 and 85. And Hedberg is, uh, you know, top 50 in goals, top 40 in goals per game. Top 60 in assists, top 55 assists per game, top 55 in points, top 45 in points per game, 52nd offensive point share. So, you know, not a star by any means. He was, him and um, Nilsson were uh, two of the stars of the late 70s, early 80s Rangers, along with Phil Esposito. Um, but I, I, I haven't looked it up, but I'm sure if we looked up Espo's points per game around this time, they would be better than the two of them. And he was much older. Um, Edberg's, uh, 82 game average is 70 points. So, you know, respectable, but hardly, especially given the era, hardly a star. Yeah. 
his his three year peak seventy eight eighty one is seventy five points per eighty games, which is you know again respectable. He was one of the best players on his team, but like that could easily be a second line, uh, easily a second line player on a more offensively inclined team than the Rangers were at the time. Yeah. You know, you put up seventy five points behind Dion or Gretzky, and I don't even know if that puts you on the second line or not. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? All those guys are just bonkers. Yeah. A uh, very respectable 46 points in 58 games, plus 16. Uh, playoff games, I mean, uh, plus 16. Uh, again, not point per game, but like l- relatively few people are. Um, his adjusting for era knocks him down significantly to 57 points per 82 games. So it really, really hurts the way he looks. So this is not why we talked about Hepburg, and it's not why we talked about Nilsson. The reason we talked about both of these guys is the WHA numbers, which are spectacular, to put it mildly, and bring up the question that we talked about with Nilsson as well, which is just like, what do you do with these guys who were not just stars in the WHA, but were at levels of dominance that are like, you know, um, kind of preposterous. So uh, Hedberg is uh, two earned, uh, is fifth all-time in goals for the league, 24th all-time assists, not so high, 11th all-time in points. Second all-time in plus-minus, but notably he is not on the all-time leaderboard in games played. Um, Hedberg is first all-time in goals per game in WHA history, ahead of, of the, th- the people you would expect, like Bobby Hall. Um, and he would be uh, first all-time in points per game as well, except for the fact that he didn't score 300 and hockey references cut off for those leaderboards. Or sorry, 500 points, my, my mistake. Um, uh, hockey references cut off for a uh, the points leaderboard is like in order to qualify for the points per game leaderboard is 500 points and Hedberg had 458 so he's yeah. it's not like he's missing it. he's below it by hundreds of points he's below it yeah. by uh, 42 but yeah he played one more season he hits it right yeah he played more one more season he'd be on the leaderboard and he would be number one unless he had some kind of drastic health problem yeah. His 80-game average for his WHA career is 128 points per 80 games. It's absurd. His uh, three-year peak, it's video game numbers. It's it's not quite Gretzky video game numbers, but it's like Dion or uh, Savard video game numbers from the 80s. Uh, his three-year peak is barely better. It's 130 points. I should also point out that's 68 goals per 80 games. Or at his peak, 60. Well, he was a slightly better passer at his absolute peak, so 67 goals. Regardless, it's almost a goal per game in the WHA. It's preposterous. Um, the playoffs, uh, he doesn't look any worse. He is third all-time in, in WHA playoff goals, 16th all-time in assists, 7th all-time in points, plus 27. So 63 points in 42 games, pretty good. He's second all-time in goals per game in the playoffs. Oh, no, he's only second. <laughs> And he's uh, third all-time in points per game. He does not have enough playoff assists to uh, qualify for Hockey References assist per game leaderboard, and I don't remember where he would have been on it. But basically, he and Nilsson are two of the top couple, like top five, um, well, top ten, depending on on where you look at uh, players in WHA history. Uh, Nilsson, I believe... Nilsson was the passer, right? And so Nilsson, I believe, was like possibly first overall, uh, sorry, first all time in assists per game, um, whereas Hedberg uh, 
is first and goal for game. And and both of them, because they left when they did, they, le- they left at the end of the uh, 78 season. They, of course, neither of them have the totals to be at the top of the overall, um, you know, total WHA list uh, because they just they went they changed leagues. They went to the better league um, at a time when WHA stars were not really doing that, though. Nedimansky, who we talked about as well, did did that as well. Um, so much with Nilsson, we talked we talked about Nilsson and tried to like capture a little bit about what he did in the top Swedish league uh, at the time, which is called the Hockey Tan. I'm sorry about mispronouncing it, which is pri- what the old Swedish elite league. And Nilsson had a lot of like accomplishments. At least he appeared to lead his team in points a bunch of times, and weirdly. Hedberg didn't. Um, we could find he scored over a point per game, 103 points per 99 games, but like, and, and 35 points in 34 playoff games. So like, point per game player in this league. But like, unlike Nilsson, he didn't have, um, you know, really really standout success relative. It, yeah, he's a point per game, but there were a bunch of players who were. And one of the questions that I was wondering about. Um, compared to Nilsson is Nilsson was very clearly one of the stars of the hockey tan, but like Hedberg, I guess Hedberg only was from like an actual, like watching game scouting perspective, because like his numbers are not as good as Nilsson's in the hockey tan, which is interesting. Um, and I don't know what it means, but I always wondered like why specifically Nilsson and Hedberg rather than Nilsson and somebody else. Yeah. And the other big question is, of course, would somebody else other than Nilsson and Hedberg have come over and done the same thing in the WHA? Who the hell knows? We will never know. We uh, will never know. Because they don't exist anymore. Um, Hedberg has has some accomplishments, especially in the WHA. His NHL ones are not that impressive. He won the Masterton for you know persevering through injuries. I believe Nilsson may have also won the Masterton at some point. Because uh, they're both often injured, he never scored more than uh, 70 points in a season. Um, in part because he did miss some games, but in part because like he just wasn't a point per game player in the NHL. And he had one All Star appearance. And I believe we, with Nilsson, we were of the opinion, uh, yeah, in '85. I think both Nilsson and Hemberg were invited to the '85 All Star game as like a tribute to their careers overall. Um, you know, because, like, Hedberg put up 51 points in 64 games that season. So he wasn't, like, a star. Because um, we were talking about 1985, it's one of the highest scoring seasons ever. Um, he did win the uh, the WHA version of the Calder, Rookie of the Year. And uh, he... Uh, so he was... He was in the league for how many years was he in the league? Uh, he was in the league for four years. He was top 10 in goals scored every season. And three of those uh, four, he was top five. Um, and he led the league in goals once, scoring 70 once, 60 twice, 50 every season he was in the league. He scored 50 goals in, in the wow. WHA. Um, and he led the league, the, he led the, uh, WHA in goals per game once, and he was top five in goals per game every season he was in the league. Um, he was also top ten in assists twice, and he uh, he had 60 assists once, which, um, I mean, I don't think of the WHA was that big a deal. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it was a, it was a higher scoring league, right? I mean, yeah. I think at the at the time at the time eventually the NHL obviously went absolutely bonkers. Yeah. But I think at the time it was quite it was a bit absolutely. easier to score in the WHA. Oh, it absolutely it absolutely was. You're absolutely right about that. Um, like if I pull up assists when he had 61, he was seventh in the league in assists. Um. So then he also, he never led the league in points, but he scored 100 points every season he was in the league. He scored 130 once and 120 twice. And it should be pointed out that the years that he only scored 100 and 105, he only played 65 and 76 games. Somehow, in the year he scored 131, he had he played 68 games. Man. So that year uh, that he, he, he didn't, again, he didn't lead the league in points. Because he only played 68 games, but he led the league in points per game, as you might imagine, at a ridiculous, impossible 1.93. Like, video gamey. That's, that's, I mean, obviously, I, Hedberg is not Gretzky. I'm not saying Hedberg is Gretzky, but that 1.93 points per game is Gretzky esque or Lemieux esque. It is. Yeah. Obviously, Lemieux and Gretzky, if you could move their birth dates and put them in the WHA in 1977. They would also they would score probably three points a game, but anyway. yeah. <laughs> um, he also led the league in plus minus once and was top five three times. He was basically, uh, you know, he was one of the best players, as we said, one of the best players in WHA history. And for the four seasons, he was one of the best players in the league. A goal, sc- absolutely one of the best couple goal scorers and one of the better forwards. Hockey Tan, like I said, he really didn't have anywhere near as much success. He led the league in assists once, and he was top five in points once. And compared to Nielsen, it was a lot less. And I still don't really know why it was him specifically. I don't know. Maybe they were friends. or It's just interesting because <laughs> Nielsen's, Nielsen's Hockey Tan numbers are like way more impressive as far as yeah. I could figure out. It's, the research is hard to do. Uh, the information is incomplete. Um, on the other hand, uh, Hedberg did win Swedish Junior Hockey Player of the Year in 1969 and 1970, so that could be one reason why he was considered a uh, you know a good thing to go, a good player to go after by the WHA. Um, he had some team success in the NHL. He went to the finals in uh, 1979, but by points he was only a top six forward. I have legitimately no idea how much he was actually playing on that team because we don't have ice time. Um, I guess we could look and see like what Nilsson's points were, uh, because I think they played on. I, I assume they played on a line together as they had throughout the WHA. Um, I look at the playoffs. Uh, no, Nilsson was not playing because he was hurt. So never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, as he was always hurt, and then also. Uh, they made another conference final in 81 and he had a bigger role on that team. Um, in the WHA, it was different. Uh, Edberg won uh, two championships. He won in 76 and he won in 78. And he was arguably the best player on the 78 jets. He was one of the best forwards on the 76 jets. They also went to the final in 77. Cause why not? Why not go to three? Um, and then one year, the first year in the league, the team didn't make, um, so basically, their first year at, on the Jets, they didn't make the playoffs, and then three years in a row they were in the finals. Man. And they either they either won or uh, lost, but they won two out of three. So putting aside the WHA, it looks very very impressive. It's extraordinarily impressive. If you forget what league it is, you're just like blown away by it. I think. Yeah. Um, 
they uh, he also played at the world championships where he um was an important player on two bronze medal teams in 72 and 74 and then he was also a slightly less important player on a silver medal team in 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 70 and a bronze medal team in 73 so he's got uh one silver and three bronzes at the worlds and this is back when the usr is just ussr is just dominating everything mm-hmm. um and then at the european championships he won he was awarded best forward uh at the 70 um sweden champion uh, sorry the 70 european championships on sweden uh they won bronze but he was still given the best forward award and they also won bronze in 60 and he was not given the best forward award but still so he has a bunch of international hardware as well but in general it's it's one it's the same it's very very similar case to old nelson <laughs> you know yeah it's, interesting they're like the it's basically like they're like carbon copies of each other except for one was more of a passer and one was more of a goal scorer but otherwise and i think like i said i think hedberg played off the top of my head i think hedberg played more games in the nhl because uh, he was slightly healthier than Nilsson, who had a lot more health problems. Though Hedberg missed the whole season um, in the NHL. In the NHL yeah. so. They both had lots of health problems. So, I mean, it's essentially the same conversation we had about Nilsson, which is like, were they really, were either of them really good enough? Um, you know, in the WHA to justify inclusion in the the Hockey Hall of Fame, which, as you've said many times, Bill, many people regard as the NHL Hall of Fame, even though it has some players like Larry Onoff who are yeah. in there. Well, it, it, it started changing once, you know, they put in guys like uh, Tretziak and uh, Makarov and stuff like that. And, I mean, it's, it's important for those guys to be acknowledged for how great they were in the game. But I, I've always been like, well, that's why they have the double IHF Hall of Fame. And... You wouldn't see a lot of guys who had amazing, uh, you know, NHL careers, but never did anything internationally, either because their team was always in the playoffs, so they never played for Team Canada, or they didn't, let's say they, they blossomed later, so they never played on the World Junior teams or anything like that. It's like, they didn't have a good international career. They won't be in the IIHF Hall of Fame. That's true. They will be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So it's like, why do we have to include all the international guys? Like, they already have a Hall of Fame that acknowledges how incredible they were. Um Maybe maybe the answer is to put them all uh, under under one roof and sort of be like this is the hockey hall of fame, but here's the NHL wing and here's the international wing. I don't know. Um, yeah. But like, it, it's it's really hard because otherwise these guys go unacknowledged for how how great they were, especially when it comes to uh, them being pioneers for their countries. Because now, you know, there's there's sort of six countries that at any moment can win, you know, can win an Olympic gold medal or win, uh, win a world championship. But it wasn't like that. I mean, it was the Soviets and if Canada sent their best players or up until like the mid nineties, probably. And occasionally the Americans would, you know, like show up like they had miracle on ice. They had some other really strong showings, but like their hockey has, you know, they're, they're now a, you know, a world power where, you know, maybe not they're they're not quite at the level of Canada or Russia, but they're damn close. Like they're at least in the conversation for three or four with Sweden, I'd say. And and it, it goes through highs and lows too. Sometimes Sweden is the best team in the world. So, um, you know, and I would say like the fin- the Finns are kind of catching up now, but like they, for for a while it was them and the Czechs were sort of the the easy five and six and top four would rotate a little bit. But like in those days, it was 
like if you were if you made the the WHA or the NHL as a player leaving your home country you like you were one of the better players in the history of your country so I mean they'd be acknowledged in their own country obviously um and I think you know they they should be acknowledged in the double IHF but if they didn't also do it at the the NHL level and the thing is if you look at his stats right like you were reading off his stats for 130 points 120 points twice and it's like if if he does that in the NHL over those years, 100% he's in the Hall of Fame. Like, I wouldn't even yeah. link twice. But oh, it's like, what was the comp? But the thing is, he's so highly ranked in WHA history, that's what gives me pause. It's like, okay, yeah. we, we know it was a lesser league, but he ranks really, really highly. And then, yeah. you know, he was hurt and on the downswing of his career when he played in the NHL, and he was still good. He just wasn't amazing, right? So it's like, yeah. if, if, he, if he had chosen a different league maybe he's you know a more of a a a rock solid case instead of like a a, you know you're i think just about anybody even if they're his biggest fan would be kind of on the fence of like well if gardner's in you got to put him in (laughs) like yeah well lowe's in come on he's got to go in well Um, prior to kevin lowe there was a person who opened up the floodgates for well not floodgates but opened up the door for uh, nilson and hedberg who we talked about Nenemansky, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've tried, I've asked people on the internet about like what the difference is, and I haven't got a good explanation from anybody. People just say Nenemansky was better, and I'm like, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah. But I, based I on, just... but based on what, you probably weren't alive when he was at his prime, so how can you say <laughs> that? You know. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm mystified. Uh, but so, so one other thing, I just, I, I mean, Nenemansky makes it. You know, if, if you're adhering to the Nedemansky standard, I think both Nielsen and Hedberg and some other, possibly some other WHA players who aren't European, but maybe, maybe not, uh, belong in. Because Nedemansky's in on his, his importance to Czech hockey and yeah. the WHA numbers, because his, his NHL numbers are worse than these guys. Now, he was older, yeah. but they are, they are worse than these guys. And his, by the way, I should point out, his WHA numbers are way worse than these guys. Way worse. Yeah. But, but he I, was I, also I older. In WHA, I, I think for Nedimansky, a lot of it is the, you know, the pioneer of Czech hockey, and yeah. you know, coming over during that era and that kind of stuff when it was so difficult to do, and yeah. which which makes it very curious to me that uh, Alex McGillney's not in because yeah. he was, you know, the first like openly screw you, I'm defecting kind yeah. of. He really op- He was one of the guys who opened up the floodgates, and he's. Yeah sort of not being acknowledged, like, and, you know, um, arguably had a much better career over when he finally came to the NHL. Uh, like, his numbers are solid enough to get him in. But if you add in that pioneering aspect, like, who did he piss off to not be getting votes for how important yeah. he was to, you know, breaking yeah. down sort of the, the the Iron Curtain and getting all those guys to start coming over? He was, I, I'm not, sh- I, I'm guessing, I think he was the first one to openly defy them and defect that way. I believe yeah. or maybe it was Larianov and then him but like he's one of the first guys so it's it's uh and the way he did it too he was just like yep i'm staying in the united states i don't speak the language and here we go and i believe yeah. i actually believe and i'm getting off track here but I, I believe he actually had to be like smuggled in a in a trunk of a car or like something ridiculous where it's like there's a there's a there's a brief sports net documentary about it that you might be able to find online somewhere yeah which talks about that that whole thing and it's really interesting it's only like 45 minutes or something so you can watch it relatively easily and it's just about like yeah yeah. um yeah i I agree with you about mcgillney i think if you're gonna weigh 
that kind of thing in, you have to include him. And I think we talked about that when we talked about him. But like yeah. with Nedomansky, I think I think this is the argument, which is is different with these guys for only one reason is that I can come up with it, which is that there are two of them. Um, but like Nedomansky was, to the best of my knowledge, the best Czech player in like it was, and he had a fair amount of international success before he came over the WHA because the Czechs were, the Czechs were the one like Soviet bloc team that was like occasionally competitive with the USSR, and yeah. so he has this like international pedigree that that any Swede didn't because the Swedes didn't win medals. They won bron- well, sorry, they didn't win gold medals. They won bronzes and occasionally won a silver. Whereas the Czechs. If memory serves, and I haven't looked at this in ages, I believe they won they won a bunch of silvers, and I think they won maybe one or two golds, like in upsets over the uh, the Russians. And and Nedomansky was a big part of those teams, and he was unlike Larionov or Larionov, sorry, uh, unlike Hedberg and Nilsson, who were like among the better Swedish players. There was no challenger to Nedomansky's role as best Czech player. But yeah. that's still, they still all came over around the same time. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Nemanski is about five years older than these guys. And and that makes a big difference. But these guys were so much better in North America than he was. Um, and one of the things I want to point out is, as you said, Bill, his, his, his numbers in the NHL are, are just okay. They're, they're good, but they're far from great, especially given the era. But I, I've never seen Hedberg or Nilsson play, right? Because they retired when I was four. Or at least they retired from North America when I was four. But the the uh, the Rangers team that went to the finals um, against the, the Habs in 79 yeah. were the second best defensive team in the league, I think. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Sorry. I'm looking at strength. Uh, okay. Never mind. Uh there goes the theory. Actually, they were a good offensive team, which makes no sense because they had the really they were really low scoring. They must have been balanced. Yeah, they were just super balanced. They had like six 20 goal scorers or something. Okay, never mind. Because I was like looking at it, I was like, ooh, second, but it's actually that's a, the wrong metric. So there goes that theory. Um, <laughs> well, I just thought maybe they were good defensive players as well, and we just didn't know. But yeah. uh, but actually, that appears to be not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, I don't know. Um, like it's, it's, uh, yeah, I'm looking at the other one. They were just an okay team in 81. Um, like to me, Nanomansky being inducted says Hedberg and Nilsson have very good cases, extraordinarily yeah. strong cases to be inducted into the current extant hockey hall of fame. I don't know that any of them should be in it. Um, I, yeah, there, there's a, there's certainly an open debate there that uh, I think you and I would probably not put them in if it was our hall. But you know we're we're dealing with the hall that we have, and so they definitely deserve consideration. But I, I, I think because Nedimansky's in, you almost have to let him in. But at the same time, you know what percentage of the votes that Nedimansky got was because of how important he was to developing the game in yeah. in, uh, in Czechoslovakia, right? Like that's it's got to have been a huge weight weight in factor. Otherwise you just look at his stats. You're like, I don't think so. But if you know, you start to look at his historical importance, you know, and, and, and again, that's like, I think in our perfect hall, a lot of these players, I would include them as builders, even though he was a player. Uh, 
but you know it's not our hall so yeah <laughs> it's uh, it's, re- it's really tough to say and i think you know it's it's that slippery slope you know once you start to let certain guys in you're like well how do we not put this guy in or that guy in and it's like there are no clear guidelines it's almost just like a bunch of guys get in a room and whoever can convince the other guys that's who gets voted in well, I, I have a guideline that could be a proposal for WHA players in general, not necessarily European pioneers. One of the things that the league, could, the, the hall could decide to do is to prevent slippery slopism. Just say, you know, if they would actually have to say what they're doing, though, which I know they don't like to. What they could do is know. they could take the players who were number one in the most important offensive categories in WHA history. So, yeah. you know, goals, assists points goals per game assists per game points per game and put yep. those guys in and and then say that's it we're not that's we're acknowledging the WHA here are the stars of the WHA they are Mark Tardif they are Andre Lacroix they are on Anders Hedberg I believe Ulf Nelson and maybe one or two other I'm just I'll look them up one or two other guys um yep. and and those are the WHA yeah Lacroix is also leader in points so he's he's in um, and then I'm sorry, I got to pull up, uh, assist per game. Uh, well, I, assist per game, I'm pretty sure is Nilsson, um, points per game. Yeah. Hedberg isn't on those, uh, leaderboards, so it's harder for me to pull it up, but basically you put those guys in and you, maybe you even do it as one go that, which would totally yeah. be against the way they do things. You could say WHA, we're acknowledging the league existed. We're going to put these five or four or six guys in because they were the lead offensive leaders in this. I don't know what you do about defense. Uh, there's a there's a big long discussion to be held about um, uh, Tremblay, the Montreal Canadiens defenseman who went to the yes. WHA and won some awards there after that. Um, but defensemen, it would be harder, obviously, because it was a high scoring league. But at least you could do this with the the offensive players and like and then you could essentially put it to bed, right? You could stop yep, having these yep. stupid debates. Yeah, like, we just, did it. just wait for a year when there's not a lot of NHL players going or no NHL players going in because they've, I, I don't know if they've ever had a no year, but I think they had like a one player. They had a one with uh, Dino Cicerelli, yeah. That's right. So wait until you have like a Dino year and then like, okay, we're not voting in anybody. Like, okay, we're doing the WHA thing this year. Let's, let's just do it. Yeah. Let's, let's, could... let's, uh, let's fatten up the presentation a bit. Yeah, and what would be the harm of saying you were doing it and actually being transparent about it and saying, which I know they don't like to do, they don't like transparency, but like you uh, could say because if they, because if they show transparency on this, then everybody's going to demand it for everything else, and they really no, I know, I know, I understand. <laughs> this is not something that will ever happen, but I yes. think it would be a, a way of of solving that problem, and you could do something similar with defunct international leagues if you really wanted to, you know. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, at this point, all the Soviet players who should be in are probably in. And as I say that, I know that somebody on Hockey's Future is getting really mad and going to write sure. something angry about it. Because there's probably a couple of questions. That's, what, hockey, that's yeah. what HF boards is for, getting angry about it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. I feel like that would, like, solve this problem at least a little bit. You know, you could just say, we acknowledge the WHA. It was a lesser league and so we're just taking and and the other thing is it's not to prevent guys who had great nhl careers who also played in the WHA from being inducted right trombley yeah. could still be inducted for other reasons which I mean, that's another story i don't want to get off on that tangent as to whether or not he belongs as an nhl player but like they're like mark howe right mark howe is in the hall of fame because he was one of the best nhl defensemen of the 80s he also has a great WHA career so 
and Bobby Hull, obviously, too. You know, they they yeah. can they're in the Hall of Fame. But I just think to like put a nail in this this WHA thing where you're just like, you know, people are all constantly like whether they should not. Well, you could just acknowledge the league existed and, and do that once and then move on. You know? Yeah. It's been it's been 40 years. So. Anyway, <laughs> rant over. <laughs> Is it, though? um Um, so it's it it's one of those things too where like you're proposing such a logical solution to this problem but you know it clearly you've never sat on any sort of committee before because committees don't solve problems (laughs) don't be don't be silly riley we'd never have some sort of obvious logical solution to something like this it's more about like protecting the integrity and keeping our decision behind closed doors and all that stuff all that stuff yeah um, so up next, we have Igor Larionov, um, who is in the Hall of Fame and who has a lower points per game than Hedberg in the NHL. But of course, there are mitigating factors, two of which are that he was older when he joined the NHL than Hedberg was. And also he played the majority of his career in the dead puck era. Um, so not only was he 29 when he came to the NHL, but he was also, uh, playing a lot of that time at a time when nobody was scoring a lot. And so it shouldn't be no, should be no surprise that his career high was 73 points. Um, so Larry Onov, um, was indeed drafted, but he was drafted in 1985, five years before he came over. Um, it is to his credit or perhaps to the, the opposite is maybe to the discredit of the Wendell Clark draft that despite coming over when he was 29, uh, and being drafted, I guess that means when he was 24, uh, Larionov is uh, somehow ninth in goals in the draft, second in assists, and third in points. <laughs> wow. Um, there there were six players from this draft to play in 1,000 games. Uh, Neuendijk, Kelly Bookberger, Eric Weinrich, Callie Johansson, Dave Manson, and Frederick Olison. There were there was one player to score a thousand points, and that's Newendike. There were four players to score six hundred. It was not a good draft. Wow, <laughs> that's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, Newendike has eleven twenty six. Dolan has six fifty five. Lariana has six forty four, and Derek King has six twelve. And there's a few other guys with five hundred, including Wendell Clark, but like not many. It is a weak week draft so like oh uh goalie uh sean burke um and bill ranford so there's some decent goalies okay but uh oh and mike richter i'm sorry three good goalies um but like three very good goalies yes three very good goalies but like skater wise it's it's slim pickings is mike richter Um, in the hall of fame yet he is not he probably should be that is an interesting. Oh, if we ever actually get around to talking about goalies, he would be yeah. a good person to talk about. I don't know if we're ever going to do that. <laughs> he, he still haunts a lot of my dreams, so I'm, yeah, yeah. he's a good enough goalie to get that. Oh, you know, Ranford won a cup too, and he was a heck of a goalie as well. So I, I, don't, yeah. I, I think I still think Richter has a better case, but I saw more of his career than I did of Ranford's, and I think yeah. Ranford sort of had like a a peak five years, but like Richter was a like star number one goalie for. Yeah. You know, 14 years, I think. Uh, when when did he retire? 
And it, his was kind of uh, concussed. It was, it was like late, mid to late 90s, I think. Late 90s, I feel like. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe early 2000s, I think he might Yeah, have it could be that long. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. Um, I feel like he was not a starter. He might have uh, a regular starter when I started watching hockey, but. Oh, he was, well, he was the Rangers starter, I think, for a solid decade there. And I think yeah. the only reason he stopped being the starter was he started, uh, he got hit in the head with a puck at one point, like a big slap shot. And it, whatever angle it hit his helmet on, like he got a concussion and he just he had balance problems and stuff like that for a while after that. So his was definitely ended because of injury. Yeah. Um, you were right, Bill, 2003. There you go. Yeah. See, I, I have no memory of the Leafs ever playing the Rangers, apparently, because he, you're absolutely <laughs> right. He was the starting <laughs> goalie up Rangers, through 2002. The Rangers, after about like 99, weren't very good either. So. No, they were not. Um, I probably didn't pay much attention to those games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Larionov bad draft. So even though he didn't play until uh, until 1990, uh, he is somehow still a top three player by points in his draft. Uh, the top 13, uh, 13th overall by point shares, partly because of good goalies and partly because he is a, at least in the NHL, he was very much a pass first player, um, and point shares favors goal scorers. So. We like to focus on era of the 13 players to play uh, at least 750 games between uh, 1989 and 2004, who were 29 and over. Um, Larionov is seventh in points. So he's a top 10 old guy for this period. Uh, he's uh, he's 11th in point shares, offensive point shares, and 11th total point shares. So not quite a top 10 old guy, but of course his. One of his calling cards at this point was defense, um, yeah. which is not captured by any of those things. His 82 game average is 57. That is without an adjustment. Adjusting for error bumps it up to 60, actually, which then becomes slightly better than Hedberg's. Uh, his three-year peak is 73 games for uh, 73 points per 82 games between 93 and 96. So not very strong offensive numbers for a very high-scoring era. But you know he was also in his early 30s. He has 97 points in 150 playoff games, which is insane to think that a, a guy who went who joined the NHL in 29 at 29 has 150 playoff games. But it helps to have been traded to Detroit. Yes, it does. <laughs> or signed by Detroit or whatever happened. I don't. Um, oh yeah, he was traded. Yeah, for Ray Shepard. I guess uh, Detroit's happy about that, eh? Yeah, you would think. <laughs> So, uh, um, Larianov, uh, was, uh, unlike Hedberg and Nelson, he, he did get moved around. He, uh, he was waived because Vancouver was having a contract dispute with him. So they waived him and San Jose picked him up. Um, and then, uh, and then fatefully he would say so if he, this, so this is one of my issues with Larianov's, uh, Hall of Fame case, which is that. And and it's the same with Glenn Anderson, which is that like I hate when people decide luck is like a important like they ignore luck basically and they decide that things always could have only happened this way. I would say to you that if San Jose does not trade Larionov to Detroit for Ray Shepard in uh, in 1995, Larionov is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame today. I would agree with that. Yes, and that to me 
it says there's something wrong with the process of deciding who is in and not in the Hall of Fame because it shouldn't matter that much. Because um, yeah. that is luck. That is not Larionov did not, as far as I know, engineer that trade um, on his own. Like it was made between two hockey organizations, you know. Um, anyway, I, 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 I do believe he did. Uh, he did refuse to play for the Canucks though, because they were uh, yes, they're still giving that kickback to. Uh, the Russian Red Army or uh, CSK Moscow, whatever uh, whatever the organization was, I do remember that's why Larionov wouldn't sign a new contract with the Canucks was because they he, he believed very strongly that you know the p- part of part of the Russian player's salary should not be going back to the USSR since they were earning it themselves. But that was yeah. the, the agreement currently in place, and he was so against it that since Vancouver was paying it, he was like, "No, I'm not signing with you guys. I'm not doing it." Yeah. Um, so he did engineer that transaction, at least yes. in part, but but not well. He probably didn't engineer San Jose picking him up necessarily. Yeah. And certainly the trade to Detroit is a separate thing. And I anyway, I just I don't I don't mean to pick on him specifically, but I feel it's the same thing. A little bit like the Oilers drafting Glenn Anderson, and then everyone being like Glenn Anderson should be in the Hall of Fame. And it's like, well, yeah. had some other team drafted him, uh-huh. would you look at those same numbers and put him in the Hall of Fame? And I think this this seems to be true here. Is like. You know, he is, as we will discuss, he has a lot of, he was on a lot of very good teams in his career, but he was on um, some NHL champions that he would not have been on had he not been traded to Detroit, Yeah. which still, you know, I think Detroit makes that trade, given what they now know, Detroit would make that trade a thousand times out of a thousand. But of course, at the time, they didn't know that it would be such a big uh, change. You know, Ray Shepard was... Younger and more offensively dynamic. So um, he was also traded uh, to Florida by Detroit after they won uh, two cups. But then uh, he re-signed after I believe he was traded like trade deadline ish to Florida, and then he just his contract expired, and he uh, no mid mid year. But then he just re-signed. Um, he just re-signed with Detroit. And won another cup, <laughs> which <yeah. laughs> the thing that teams used to do back then was uh, was trade guys who were near the end of their contract, get stuff for them, and then uh, <laughs> re-sign them in the summer. Because yeah. um, the Rangers did that too. Not that it worked out well for the Rangers ever, I feel like. And some other teams, I think, did that a few times. Um, his no, Soviet no. number... Sorry? No, that's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> so his his Soviet numbers are uh are four thirty four points in four hundred seventy uh, fifty seven games, um which is you know good for the Soviet league elite league, um but uh we I mean they're because they're not normally a point per game league um and he was part of a famous a a famous line in hockey which we will maybe get to a little bit with Makarov and another guy whose name is escaping me who were considered the best line outside of the NHL for much of the 1980s. Um, the Larionov was the youngest player on that, if I'm not mistaken. He also briefly played in the NDA, which it was a while ago that I did these notes, but I believe it's the Swiss League. Um, this is when he was doing his uh, holdout with Vancouver. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he dominated, very briefly dominated the Swiss League 
um, which we'll, we're shocked. We're both shocked by because that definitely doesn't happen that an NHL player goes to Switzerland and just kicks ass. Um, <laughs> so his his NHL accomplishments are, are regular season accomplishments are not much. He, he scored 70 points once, and that was in one of the highest scoring seasons in the history of the league. Um, sorry, that was a couple seasons after. In fact, in, he wasn't playing in 93, my mistake. So he, in 96, he scored 70 points, but still it was a relatively high scoring season. It was right before the dead puck era. Um, he uh, he was an all, he made one All Star game appearance, but I think it's safe to say, given that it was in 1998, that it was ceremonial. It could have been because uh, I mean he had 47 points that season, and he finished 10th in Selkie voting. So I'm pretty sure that was ceremonial, but who knows? Um, and so he was a Soviet League MVP once. Um, and he was he had some he never led the Soviet League in any offensive category as far as I'm a, a, able to confirm. But he was a top five player uh, twice in goals, uh, five times in assists, and four times in points. Um, the thing I want to point out here is when we way back when, it, if you listen to our Makarov episode, Makarov, who Bill felt like shouldn't be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and I was more receptive to, had. A level like a level of hardware from the Soviet League that was just insane. It was yeah. I don't remember what it was. It was like eight MVPs or something absurd like that. He was constantly on the best team. He was the best player on the best team year after year after year. They won lots of stuff. He was dominating. Larionov, this is not true, Larionov. And so one of the things when people compare Makarov and Larionov and sort of think, well, they both should because they had great Soviet careers and then less good NHL careers. Larionov has the cups. But Makarov was a, a, like, there are people on the internet, you can find them, who think Makarov was the second best player in the world in the 1980s. Um, and some people, who are probably Russian, who think he was the best player in the world. <laughs> uh, but there are Canadian, I've, I've seen North Americans argue he was the second best player in the world. I, I don't know how you ever solve that. Uh, debate because even if you do one of those league to league equivalency calculations and try to yeah. figure out points, it's still academic. But yeah, um, anyway, it's just it's just worth noting when considering uh, Larionov's case that he doesn't have the Soviet hardware that Makarov does by a lot. And now they were on the same line for a number of years and they were the best team in the league and they dominated. But like, um, he just doesn't have the same level of of Dominance the Makarov did. So that's something to keep in mind. So, uh, Larionov um, has a ton of oh, uh, teams that have won stuff. Uh, he, of course, um, won the Stanley Cup three times. But it's worth noting that offensively, he was a top six forward on the first two, and he was a top nine forward on uh, on the O2 uh, Red Wings, the third one. And it's worth pointing out that that, that one we have ice time for so i know for a fact he was playing third line minutes in 02 97 98 that's my point so i he might have been playing second line he might have been playing third i i i didn't watch those finals i don't think so i don't remember um they of course won olympic medals because they cheated and and admit and you know let uh <laughs> let pro players pretend to be amateurs or force pro players to be amateurs depending on your opinion um and so he won uh, two gold medals and one bronze, and he was a very important player in the 88 
Olympic gold team, and he was a less important player in '84, but still, um, you know, he was on he was on two gold medal winning teams. Uh, they won the Canada Cup in '81 with him playing a role that looks like third line because he was younger. Uh, he was a he was like 20, but I don't I couldn't verify what that whether or not he was because like normally he played on on the top line at least in um, in uh, CSKA Moscow, but yeah. I don't know uh, I don't. I didn't find any information about lineups, um, but he point wise he was top nine on that team, so not as impressive. And then we get to the World Championships. <laughs> Ugh, deep breath. Um, <laughs> he was a media all star and top three forward by points on the '83 World Champion USSR team. He was a top three forward by points on uh, the '87 Silver Medal. USSR team. He was a media all-star and top six forward by points, so presumably they're crediting his defense on the 86 champion USSR. He was also a top six forward on the 82 champion USSR. Um, he was probably a top six forward on a bronze medalist in 85, and he was probably a top nine forward on a champion in 89, but again, because those are points and because he was the defensive presence on his line, who the hell knows? He might have been playing more. We don't have ice time. It's quite possible that he just didn't score as much because he was. I think it's widely acknowledged of the three on that famous line, he was the best defensive player. Um, He also won a world junior gold, uh, two world junior gold medals because, of course, he did um, in in 79 and 80. And he was a media all star on one of those teams. He won eight European championships, which I believe is slightly less than Makarov, but very close. Makarov may have won nine or 10, but it was, you know. And he won a year. Uh, sorry, he he didn't win a European Junior. I'm sorry. He came. He finished second in a European Junior. So something he hasn't won. Um, you you have to in order to get to the European Cup back then you had to win your league. So of course he will also won eight Soviet League championships, as well as something called the USSR Cup, which I don't remember how long that was around. And it's worth noting that he was on at least two of these Super Series. Moscow teams that came over and beat some regular, uh, some normal, regular non All Star NHL teams in the eighties. Yes. Phew, that was a lot of stuff. So that is a lot of stuff. He had quite the international career. <laughs> he had quite the international career, and I think I feel like Bill, that's leading you to say he should be only in the International Hockey Hall of Fame. Well, I mean that's yeah, that's the way I would do it, but obviously we do not have that option. So um, yeah, I don't. I, I, I think he's got a decent case, but uh, it's you know if I I figure I figure if if Makarov's in then he should be in even though I know that skill wise uh, Makarov was a superior player, but yeah. uh, you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's not my ideal version of the hall, and I'm not trying to take anything away from how great these guys were. I mean the Russians would you know give you know you look at the you know 87 canada cup and we've got gretzky lemieux and howard chuck on our first line and we still barely beat them every game was six five and it yeah. went three games like it's like it's not that they couldn't play with us and we're just as good as as you know our our you know stacked canada teams were um but you know, like it's it's one of those things like a lot of people will point to that and say like they, they were, you know, they were just as good. And it's like they did also always play together their entire yeah. lives. And our guys were sort of assembled in a week. So it's yeah. like 
there's a little bit of that, like, uh, they have a lot more familiarity, and if our guys always played together, probably we would, you know, it wouldn't be as close, um, but that's not to say that uh, if those, you know, in a, in a world like today, where, you know, like, Ovechkin gets drafted first overall, plays his entire career in the NHL, that those guys wouldn't have put up ridiculous numbers just like he did, I'm sure, um, you know, you, it's, you can't obviously get in a time machine and fix this, but if Makarov and Larionov had played their entire careers in the NHL from the, their draft year, I'm pretty sure they still go in on stats, right? So I don't have as much of an issue with them getting in, except that, you know, I firmly believe that if you're, if you compiled your stats in international or WHA, that that's like sort of the wing of the hall of fame you should be in. And yeah. I think the NHL in a way made a little bit of a mistake calling it the hockey hall of fame and not the, NHL Hall of Fame because, you know, they're putting in a lot of people who have, um, you know, sort of uh, been brilliant in other areas. And it's like there already is an IH, double IHF Hall of Fame. There already is a WHA Hall of Fame there. You know, they have yeah. these other Hall of Fames. So you're kind of overlapping. And it's like maybe it's the NHL sort of wanting to be the we want to be the hockey hall of fame. So we're putting in guys from every era, but like, I don't know the, the baseball kind of doesn't do that. Right. Like there's yeah. a Negro leagues hall of fame and there's a baseball hall of fame and they don't try to pretend that they didn't let them play. Like they kind of, it's a completely different thing, obviously, but like, yeah. Maybe baseball has a better reason to keep it separate because they're like, if we just say like, yeah, come on into our, our Hall of Fame, and like, you guys didn't let them play. You shouldn't be allowed to have, you yeah. know, like they sort of acknowledge the Negro Leagues, but they do not try to be the Negro Leagues Hall of Fame because they're like, yeah, we didn't let you play. Whereas I think the NHL would have let a lot of uh, Swedish, Russian, etc. players play. They just couldn't get over here. So I think it's 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 a a really different thing. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know, like, and you know, the double IHF is never going to give up their hall of fame and say, oh, we've made an agreement and now we're part of the NHL, like the, the hockey hall of fame in Toronto. They want to keep it in Europe so people can, you know, cause they're trying to keep the European game as, uh, yeah. you know, as strong as it is. So I, I, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like there might've been a better way to do it. But now that we've opened up Pandora's box, there's no point in trying to keep, you know, in, in me getting all upset about Larry Onoff or Makarov being in. Yeah. In my Hall of Fame, I would I would keep all those Hall of Fames separate and let them acknowledge, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, like Paul Henderson wouldn't be in the NHL Hall of Fame, but he definitely would be in the International Hockey, Internationalized Hockey Hall of Fame. So it's like, that's kind of where if you compiled all your greatness in this, you know, arena of competition, this is where you're famous kind of thing. But I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm probably just, you know, pissing everybody off of making this argument, so. <laughs> which I, I, I'm, I don't... Which I'm okay with, but. I, I don't disagree, certainly with the, the reasons for why the NHL is doing what they're doing. I agree with you. I don't think it's bad for the NHL to, sorry, for the Toronto Hockey Hall of Fame to aspire to be the Hockey Hall of Fame for the entire sport. My issue, as is always the case, and I'm sorry I'm a broken record, is with a lack of transparency and a lack of obvious standards. You know, if you want to have... WHA players in, or you want to have international players in, we need to understand who's eligible and why, because, like, we have no idea. You know, there are certain Russians who are in, 
And there are lots of Russians who are not. There is one Czech player who did not play much in the NHL who is in, and a lot of who are not. There are um, no no Swedes in that situation, right? Who are yeah. who are in? Uh, there are no Finns in that situation who are in, to the best of my knowledge. It, you know, and and so there's like it leaves you with questions as to why. And as you brought up with McGilney, it sure feels like they like there are certain narratives that they like that work for them about who international players and there's others that they care less for and it's weird and it's hard to figure out it's very difficult to figure out and i just wish they were transparent about it and like you know i am i am not personally unlike you bill i'm not opposed to international players being in the hockey hall of fame without sections i agree the sections would make it more clear and that would be fine i would be fine with that but if they just want to bring them in I'm okay with that. I just need to know what the criteria is because right yeah. now I have no idea. Like, like I know, I know in reality, I know Larianov gets in because of his three Stanley Cups. I know that. I know Sergey Makarov gets in because somebody is of the opinion, somebody or the people on the voting committee are, are of the opinion that Makarov really was one of the best players in the world in the eighties. And that's fine. I just, need more for myself you know because like like knowing only that stuff it feels like well what about other international players who've been lucky enough to win some cups but didn't really do much offensively in the nhl you know or what about these other guys who who uh picked the wrong league you know like yeah. what happens if 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 netomansky hedberg and nilsson all come to the nhl in 1973 Instead of the WHA, you know, I, I, I would be interested to see a, an alternative history where that happens, you know, because yeah. um, then we'd have a much better idea about whether any of them belong in the in the NHL Hall of Fame. But I don't know. I just I just wish I knew more what the standards are and I don't have to, like, come up be like detect, play detective and be like, OK, the reason for Larry Anov is cups. The reason for yeah. Makarov is probably a bunch of people on the committee at the time had watched him play at the worlds and at the Canada cup. And were like, this guy was the best Russian forward. So, okay. Um, yeah. You know, like, or at least they could say it out loud. <laughs> at the yeah, very yeah. least, you know? Um, but I mean, Makarov opened the door, right? Once Makarov was in Laronov yeah. doesn't have to be, but it's pretty, pretty, you start going well, but Makarov's in, but Makarov's in. All right. Lastly, we have Bernie Morris, a player that until Bill brought him up during our flu podcast, I had never heard of. And he wasn't on my list for uh, um, players to talk about because he played six NHL games total. And also because his PCHA career was good. But it wasn't, like, you know, phenomenal. And, and so here's the other thing. Um, so when we when Bill and I have tried to decide whether or not to include old-timers who are not currently in the Hall of Fame in this discussion, one of the things that we've done is we've said, okay, are you a star in more than one early league? With the exception of uh, Cyclone Taylor, who was such a big star in the PCHA that we brought him in, that we talked to, had to talk about him. He was one of the best couple players in the world. But yeah. the other guys, it's usually like if you were a star in 
two of NHA, NHL, PCHA, WCHL, that's worth something. If you're a star in just one of those, we were like, well, maybe not. And he was just, uh, Morris was just a star in the PCHA. He was not a star in the WCHL, really. Um, however, during the flu episode, Bill, you brought to my attention his hilarious, uh, uh, hilarious 16 points in four games in the 1917 Stanley Cup Finals. Um, which was like, okay, <laughs> we should probably talk about that guy. He yeah, appeared, that's pretty, he was good. Uh, pretty dominant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was, he was apparently good. Um, so, uh, it's, like I said, NHL career, six games. Uh, he was traded into the NHL. He was 34 when he played. So, uh, and then he was waived six games later. So it's not, there's not really much to talk about. He was in the PCHA for eight years. And um, he he was a good player. He was one of the stars of the league. He is our best guest. Is fifth all time in goals, fourth all time in assists, and fourth all time in points. We really don't know. He is eleventh all time in games played, though. Uh, if you set the qualifier at three seasons, he's probably second all time in goals per game, assists per game, and points per game behind Cyclone Taylor, of course. So he could be possibly the second best player in PCHA history. His thirty game average is forty one points per thirty games. He only scored uh, two points in six playoff games because often there weren't really playoffs. It was a different time. And they would, you know, uh, depending on the year, the PCHA would play a brief playoff to see who played the NHA or NHL champion for the Stanley Cup. And then later they would play games against the WCHL champion for like a year or two to determine who played the NHL. Um, But there weren't a lot of playoff games. Uh, so it shouldn't be a surprise that his playoff numbers are not great. He has, like, according to Wikipedia, at least, he has more Stanley Cup Finals games, which are not considered league playoffs. He has almost double Stanley Cup Final games than he does PCHA, PCHA playoff games. Yeah, and because that PCHA was usually just a home and away, and that yeah. was it, you were in. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. exactly. Um, his WACHL numbers are less good. He is possibly 25th all-time in goals, 20th in assists, and 23rd in points, but we really don't know. He only played 44 games, and the WCHL wasn't around that long. Um, he is maybe a top 20 player in points per game and goals per game and assists per game in the WCHL. We really don't know. So he wasn't really a star. 18 points per 28-game season, the WCHL compared to 41 points for 30 game season in the PCHA, a lot of that has to do with his age. He was, yeah. uh, what was he? He was like 32 when he joined the WCHL, I think. Yeah, and he, and he was he was uh, he was easily a uh, you know goal a game player. Uh, yeah. bef- before he was sent to Alcatraz, and then when he came back, yeah. he wasn't quite as good, which yes. I think you know <laughs> pretty understandable. Yes, yes, absolutely. Played played a factor for sure. Um, so he was a he was pretty good in the PCHA. He led the league in goals once. He was top ten seven times out of eight seasons. He led the league in goals per game once. He was top ten seven out of eight seasons. He uh, he led the league in assists twice. He was top ten seven out of eight seasons. He led the league in assists per game once. He was top ten out of seven. You get the idea. Basically, uh, he had one bad year out of eight. Uh, and not bad year. He had an average year, and the other yeah. the other uh, seven were he was among the ten best players in the league. Six of those years, he was among the best 
five players in the league, and a couple of those years he was the best player in the league. Cyclone Taylor was usually, but a couple times Bernie Morris was. Uh, he made a first-team All-Star five times, so he was a... What was he? He was a center, I guess, so he was the uh, considered the best center um, five times, and he made the second team twice, and he had one one very good season or one good season in the WCHL as well. Uh, he never made the playoffs in the NHL because he, he played six games. Um, he won a Stanley Cup in the WCHL. Or sorry, he didn't win. I'm sorry. He came, He went to the Stanley Cup Finals in the WCHL. But his real uh, claim to fame is that he, uh, he won a Stanley Cup and he was in two other Stanley Cup Finals um, with... The, with the uh, the Metropolitans in the uh, PCHA, so he won in 17 when he had the bonkers 16 points in four games. Um, he we don't really know what his role was in 1920 because uh, he uh, he scored two points in five games, which is obviously very very different. Um, so it might have been that he was getting older because he would have been late 20s by that point. I'm not really sure what happened. And then of course, as Bill. Um, pointed out in the flu episode, he was playing in the 19 finals, or he's supposed to play in the 19 finals, but he was prevented from doing so because after World War One was over, he was arrested for draft dodging. Yeah, he, uh, they, they basically, uh, he was arrested and charged with draft evasion. He claimed, well, I was in Vancouver, so of course I didn't get the letter, like blah, blah, blah. And they're like, in, in a divorce proceedings against his ex-wife, he had testified that he had lived the past three years in Seattle. So they got him on that and then decided to uh, to throw the book at him and make an example of him. Um, and so he was sentenced to two, two years of hard labor at Alcatraz. Um, and then eventually they, they had some pity on him and transferred him to an army unit. Uh, and then eventually he was granted an honorable discharge from the army unit and then went straight to play in the 1920 Stanley Cup final um straight from the army so basically he was off of hockey for a year after being arrested but it took him out of the final where the spanish flu hit so it could yeah. potentially have saved his life yeah uh, or it could potentially have denied him a stanley cup because if they had him they might have won in three straight <laughs> i don't know yeah. yeah we don't know yeah and yeah that's a good point i i didn't i didn't fully realize that or i'd forgotten uh we did the research for this a while ago it's a long story yeah um, so I maybe had forgotten that he he had missed that season, and yeah. So the reason he one reason why he scored two points in five games in the 1920 final is because he was probably out of shape, I hadn't skated, and as Bill says, hadn't skated in a year and a half or something, um, or two years, I guess. No, a year, year and a halfish. Um, anyway, uh, it's it's it sort of comes like as I was saying with the WHA, you could just take, you know the best players in, in this six offensive categories and like the very best, the number one guys and put them in the hall of fame. And one of the things we've talked about a little bit with the PCHA and the WCHL and the NHA is like, is it the, the number one best guy who should be in the hall? Or is it like, do you include the number two guy? Do you include, then you start thinking about the number three guy and there's, you know, yeah, slippery slope. So the big question, I think, with Bernie Morris is, like, he appears to have been the second best player in PCHA history. So does yes. he belong? Because he wasn't able, for various reasons, like Bill said, some of which likely had to do with being thrown in jail in the middle of his career, um, 
for for bullshit uh does he belong because he was that or does he not belong because he just wasn't he didn't he wasn't able to achieve the same levels of stardom in the wchl i don't i don't know the answer um it's it's interesting question and i mean yeah i mean it you do it does feel like he he had one so there is a clear as some of this could be age but as bill said there's a clear drop off in points per game between his early days in the pcha and his post alcatraz days and it's not dramatic until he goes to the wchl but it's it's there it's like it's he's way over one point per game in like every pch game season he played prior to alcatraz and you, he goes to alcatraz he comes back and he's suddenly at one and then by the yeah. end of and then by the wchl he's below one so that could be aging it could be aging it could be aging exacerbated by being in jail <laughs> you know who knows <laughs> so I don't know what yeah, you think. I, jeez, it's 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 hard to say because we sort of you know we're like you know he had to have been a star in in, in two leagues, but he was you know dominant in uh, in the PCHA to the tune of like I mean you know well over a goal a game until he got sent off to Alcatraz, yeah. um, and you know dominated that Cup final, and I believe in the season where. He should have been playing in the, in that cup final against the Canadians. I believe he was like 29 goals in 20 games or something like that. Like, yeah, he was still at the at the peak of his game. You have to assume that if they had their leading score, and then um, uh, it was Foyston who ended up doing a, most of the scoring for Seattle because Bernie Morris wasn't there, yeah. but uh, and and like had a ridiculous stat line of his own. I believe he had a goal with uh, a game with four goals and. Uh, you know, like they, they had some crazy games going on in that series, uh, as we talked about. If you go back and listen to that flu episode, it was a pretty wild Stanley Cup final. Um, but if they had Foyston and Morris, like you have to figure they would have won it, right? And and they had beaten Montreal when they had Morris uh, two years prior. So um, you know, if he wins two cups, is he like pretty much automatically in? Especially if he has another performance like that, I I would say so. Um, yeah, I would say getting arrested kind of derailed his career, and it's not. Well, I mean, maybe it is his fault, but <laughs> it, it seems like uh, like a silly reason to, uh, since the war was already over, to, uh, to throw the guy in jail down in Alcatraz. It's like, um, I know, mean, so I'm, given I'm, how brilliant he was and how clear the drop off is after he was, uh, you know, off hockey for a year and doing hard labor, uh, I, I, I would say I'd, I'd lean towards putting him in. Um, but. You know, it's it's he doesn't he doesn't have the longevity, but I kind of feel like it's not his fault. Yeah, um, I just like to point out I uh, I think you mentioned you may have mentioned this in the uh, in the flu episode, but he scored uh, fourteen, I believe it was fourteen of the twenty three goals his team scored in the nineteen seventeen. Yeah, um, four games. Yeah, so that <laughs> is a, like there's just no way of. And now rosters were tiny back then compared to now, but there's no comparison for that. No one has scored that percentage of goals yeah. in a final, in a Stanley Cup final in a very long time. Um, and like you said, Bill, if he'd done that two years in a row, I think he would be in the hall. And, and, he would be in the hall of fame. 
yeah, you know, like Foyston kind of took over from him, and I think he had some pretty ridiculous numbers as well. I he think did, it was yeah. like nine, nine out of 20 or something like that. Like yeah. He basically scored half team's goals, but he was kind of taking over from Morris, right? Like when they were the two of them working together, I think he was more the passer and Morris was more the shooter. Um, so they probably, I, you'd have to assume, given that, you know, Morris had had a very good regular season, if he doesn't get hauled off to jail, Seattle probably wins that series. And yeah. maybe they win it so quickly, nobody gets the Spanish flu and they all go home. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> who, who knows? Like, we'll have to get in a time machine and figure that one out. But I, I feel like it's unfair to punish the guy when he was clearly brilliant and then had a drop off when he came back from, you know, being being away for a year. It seems seems kind yeah. of unfair. It's almost like a guy gets hurt and then when he comes back, he's, you know, but you knew he was great while he was in his prime. And it's like, okay, well, he's only slowing down because you know somebody took out his knee and now he's just not the same player anymore you know and and we we extend we when we've talked about guys who played in world war one or world war two we say or or left to go to world war one or world war two yeah. we say like you know it's that shouldn't be counted against them now yeah. some people out there might be inclined to say draft dodging should be counted against them i am not one of those people i am opposed yeah. morally to conscription I don't want to fight somebody else's war and don't give me any bullshit about defending freedom because that's not what's going on. And if you think that's what's going on, you need to read some more books. Um, now everybody's you know, mad. Good job. Yeah, World, World War One had yeah. nothing to do with defending Canada's freedom or the United States' freedom. It had nothing to do with it. And uh, that's not why Canada was involved in the war and it was not why the U.S. was involved in the war. And so dodging that draft does not bother me in any way. Um, yeah, and well, I mean, the war was already over by the time they sort of yeah. figured out that well, he had. And so the, to me, it's the like, second point is that there yeah. needs to be a statute of limitations on you shouldn't go to jail for a crime that no longer can be committed. Yeah. And now conscription might have still been on the books. I don't yeah. know. It, it might have taken them a while to repeal it. I don't know. But like, yeah. it's it's absurd on its face to be like you are guilty you're being arrested and charged and tried for a crime that could does not no longer needs to exist because the war is over. Like it's just, it's and, ridiculous. And, and it seems pretty clear they made an example out of him to say like, we don't care if you're a hockey star, you're going to jail. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It seems, it feels like it. It feels like it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Like he could have just probably it's just like, paid it's, the fine or they could have said fine play for the cup. And when you're done, I go to jail. Like, no, just yanked him off to come off to jail. It, it's it's like Martha Stewart getting uh, arrested for securities fraud. Meanwhile, like all these men on Wall Street have like swindled like billions of dollars from American pension funds and stuff, and nobody else is in jail. Well, very few other people are in jail. You know, that is like, true. That like they like true. they like justice systems like their uh, their uh, goats, they um, do. <laughs> sacrificial lambs, whatever whatever animal you prefer. Um, all right. Which, so which, 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 since you brought up Martha Stewart, and since we're a little bit off track, anyways, uh, just like to point out that when she does her cooking show with Snoop Dogg, uh, only one of them has been to jail, and it is not Snoop Dogg. <laughs> <laughs> that is really funny, and yeah. a very. It should be like a disclaimer on the show. Yeah. Um, now we're getting really far off track, but I always ask myself, would like. Would twenty-year-old Snoop Dogg recognize Snoop Dogg, the cooking show host? I, I, I do. Don't want, know. Yeah, I think probably not. But anyway, um, that's another story. Um, so to wrap up, uh, what do you say about Hedberg? Yay or nay? 
Um, I'm going to go with a very light no, but I, I can be talked into it for sure. I, I think now that Nedimanski's in, uh, my vote for the current hall is probably, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a, I guess it's, let me change it. It's a very light yes, but only because Nedimanski's in. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say, I don't think Nedimanski should be in, as I said on that episode. Um, yeah. I, I, the only justification I see for Hedberg's case is if, like I said, the NHL, the, 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 the Hockey Hall of Fame that is in Toronto decided to say the players who are the best at these offensive stats are in from the WHA. And if so, then I'd be like, okay, I'm good with Hedberg again. I, I think it's worth thinking about taking the best couple of players or maybe just the very best, maybe just Andre Lacroix, I don't know from the WJ and putting one of them in as sort of a representative of that league uh, or yeah. a couple, maybe like five at the most. I don't know. I, I do think that like without that official policy or statement that I have to go with no, because I worry that like if Hedberg and Nilsson are inducted and maybe I didn't say this in the Nilsson episode, I really don't remember. It's been a it's a long story, but it's been a while since we recorded the Nilsson episode, which it just came out right before this one. As you're listening, um, I uh, the thing that I'm like not sure about um, is just like if they get in, then how many other WHA players might get in later as a result because people can then say, well, these guys have better totals than even though Hedberg and, and Nilsson would be in on their per game numbers more than anything. People would probably say, per, I don't know. I'm really on the fence with Hedberg. I don't know. I think I changed my mind since the first time we tried to record this episode. So I don't, I don't know. I'm going to go like, eh, <laughs> just a noise. <laughs> um, but like, I agree, Bill, Nedomansky sets a precedent that based on the Nedomansky precedent, both Hedberg and Nilsson should be in, I think for, yeah. For trailblazing reasons. Uh, Larry Anoff, yeah or nay? Yeah, because we're not doing the double IHF uh, thing. You know, I, I, yeah. I think um, I think probably if I had to go back, I'd change my Makarov vote, even though I think I was pretty vehement at the time. You were very um, vehement, yes. Yeah, I, I'm sure I angered many, many people. It's not that he wasn't great. I just think he should be in a different hall, and I'd say the same for Larry Anoff. But knowing that Larry Onov won those cups and a lot of people would put him in because of that anyway. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm OK with him being in and I'll change my macro vote to I'm OK with him being in because the hall has already set that precedent. Um, if it was my hall, I'd say no. And I'd put them in the double IHF Hall of Fame, but it's not my hall. So. Yeah, I uh, I'm I think I'm OK with him being in. I do feel like he has less of a good case than Makarov because Makarov's international case is just so damn impressive. Um, and I do, and I go back to what I said about the trade, and I do wonder that if anyone would even be talking about him as a Hall of Fame player. Yeah, he does Anyone cup. outside of fans of US 80s, USSR hockey would be talking about him as a player if he was never traded to the Red Wings, which yeah. I think is a weird way to go about this, because that was luck on his part. It was not anything he did. Anyway, that's another story. Um, lastly, we'll, we'll, any... we'll get to that. We'll get to that whenever Oz, Ozbad gets in. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm pissing uh, off like every Detroit fan. I'm like, <laughs> I said, uh, I nice shut up. <laughs> uh, yeah, we did. We did. Uh, Bernie Morse. 
I'm, I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah, me too. I that I think that early brilliance uh, was was good enough to to have him in there. I I think he is very clearly the second best. Well, not very clearly. As far as we know, he's the second best player in the PCHA. He would have done that longer, probably had he not been sent to jail for silly reasons. And uh, because of his age, he just if he had been like three years younger, we don't know. He might have gone on to have a more than one good season in the WCHL too, right? It's not, yes. as we've said many times, it's not the players' faults that they chose the Western leagues that were doomed to fail. Yeah. They didn't know they were doomed to fail. Uh, that they were going to fail. They didn't know that at the time. They chose them because of where they lived, and that sh- we should not blame them for that. And he was, I mean, I think you're absolutely right, Bill. If he does, he has two Stanley Cup performances like that. I think he's inducted probably in the same time Taylor is. And, yeah. uh, and I think that, you know, it's it's uh, it's ridiculous that he was made a scapegoat. And, and uh, yeah, I, I have no problem. I have no problem with him being in the hockey all I think that's that makes sense to me. That that final is insane. <laughs> Nine. Sorry, what did I say? Uh, 14 to 23 goals in four games that were all his. Just crazy. Yeah, that's a crazy stat. Anyway, that is all for us uh, this episode, and we will we hope to see you um, next time. Thanks for listening.